Chapter 19 Chesed, Krishna's Right-Hand Path The rising sun reflected off the four swords I had gathered, and there, over yonder, I sensed the light of love. I felt pulled to the wisdom of the Father's eternal light as I departed down from the supernatural triangle away from the goddess up above. I moved to the right, and I passed over the central pillar of mildness when a grand sphere came to rise. There I saw a great king with an eternal crown who held the essence of the morning star that was illuminated behind his eyes. As I approached the pillar of mercy, I recognized that this next sphere was aligned with the highest father. It was he who held all spiritual virtues, as this was the cohesive and receptive intelligence that contained all holy powers. So bright and benevolent, this great man was the emanation of primordial wisdom and charisma. When I reached his throne, I bowed to his lotus feet, and I wondered who this was. I am Krishna, he said. He wrapped white silk around my neck, then his forehead pressed upon mine. The moment I felt him touch me, I knew he was the manifestation of Vishnu, who embodied the purest path of God the Divine. No matter what I had done in my past lives, he welcomed me home, and there I sat beside his lotus feet at the base of God's right-hand pillar beside his throne. This benevolent father pulled two fine silk blankets off from a table where two distant items were resting. Looking closely, I saw a chicken and an egg. Oh, that's quite interesting. I paused, but nothing happened. What's with the chicken and the egg? Which came first? Krishna asked. Oh, so this is a strange question. Well, this mighty king said nothing else while I observed the two items and thought about it. And since chickens come from eggs, well, it must be wrong, he said. Wrong? I didn't even say anything. Or maybe it's the chicken, I wondered. Wrong again, he added. Then what's the point? The point is the principle. Men could spend their whole lives debating which arrived first. But the truth is that both the chicken and the egg come from the feminine principle. If there is life, then the feminine principle had to be involved. Be it an egg, a chicken, a bug, or a human, the feminine principle is involved, he said. Who are you, and where are you from again? I have come to manifest through the form of Lord Chaitanya, through the union of Radhe Govinda, he said. This man wore a simple orange robe, with a vivid linear marking between his eyes, and so I tapped the ankh in my heart to see if this man was a person I had once recognized. As soon as I touched my heart, light burst open when his true form came into view, blown away by his magnificence as the unknowable source came to. I could hear the voices of his devotees chanting, and they were calling out to his holy name. Lord Krishna manifested on the pillar of mercy to maintain our universe through balance upon all planes. Krishna took many forms, but at his heart he was the one eternal teacher. Uniting all beings with mercy and love, he represented the greatest good that preserved creation on behalf of all creatures. With a peacock feather in his hair and a cow to his side, the animal stunned me because I could see Shakti flowing out from within that animal's eyes. Krishna was in union with all. His name was the remedy for all earthly pains, and his holy powers stretched into the high source and down throughout the great vine's veins. 
Yes, he was the man to how it was all connected. He was the incarnation of God. And only through this enlightened form could I see the wisdom of truth transcribed throughout human texts known as the Vedas, Gitas, and Upanishads. Teach me, my Lord, for you are the supreme soul who is dedicated to all creatures. You alone are the way, as you are the highest teacher. Join the head and the heart. Bring the intellect and intuition together through practice of devotional service to Krishna. We remember how all souls are united as we are everyone's sisters and brothers, said Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. And what brings you here? The goal of all souls is to head up to the source, yet you are coming down from it? And to where will you go carrying this pure light of Shakti's force? asked Krishna. I am called to walk the left-hand path, but I don't know the way. And yet the morning star was planted in my head, as I believe I'm here to illuminate Earth's day. Then a journey you are called for. But what is it that you are here to do? If it is a path you are moving towards, then the journey is happening within you, he said. It took a moment to interpret the words he spoke, and so I gazed up at this magnificent being. His evolution was far greater than mine, for he was in union with the Source, and I was still in awe of what I was seeing. Shakti has called me to rejoin heaven and earth as I carry her swords. She said there is still spiritual light illuminated on the earth's surface, and in order to protect the light that is left, I am sent to reopen the gateless gate called her brass door. And do you know why there is light still left? asked Krishna. That was something I could not answer, and so I shook my head no. There is a cycle of time when there was pure light, and now it seems that earth has gone quite dim. But there are the few brave souls who remain devoted followers and keep their hearts set upon the spirit soul within. They are humble beyond their selfish desires, as they renounce the world of material gain. They identify with me by seeking the spirit soul in all others, and this is how they transcend worldly suffering and pain. All the light that is left exists as instruments of God's plan. These are the spiritual seekers who chant God's holy names through prayer rather than succumbing to greed, vice, and the wickedness of their fellow ignorant man. And there was a time not long ago when earth almost went completely dark, but there was a courageous man named Srila Prabhupada who rose up to honor the light in the world just before all things were doomed to fall apart. Srila Prabhupada left his homeland of India. There he boarded the bottom of a cargo vessel for 28 days and found his way to the west. No different than Job in the Bible, this man underwent all of life's most difficult and extreme tests. Even when he had everything taken away, Srila Prabhupada did not quit. He devoted his life to Sri Krishna, and he was one of the last great men to be devoted and fully commit. It is because of him that the source of light still glows. It is because of his followers that the earth still thrives, and without his journey to the west, there wouldn't be any light still alive," said Krishna. I was told I too must make a journey, but I have never heard of this great man. I am looking to help all the light that is left and honor the great beings like Srila Prabhupada, and so Shakti told me about the left-hand plan. And what is your plan? How will you honor the light that is left? I'm afraid the world is deluded by violence, chaos, and theft," said Krishna. I did have a clue how to help, 
but I knew Shakti's sword was the way. Whatever I needed would come along the path, and so the way forward would soon be paved. The mother said the way is onward. Somehow the path will be revealed. And once the tree of life is reconnected with the earth, then the empress whom I loved will also be healed. Then this calling you speak of is devotion. Ask yourself, what is it that all beings need? You will come to find this treasure through the devotional practice my devotees follow. And so I name this devotion of love, Bhakti, said Krishna. Bhakti, Bhakti, oh please tell me more. How can I best serve the divine ocean of bliss since it is Shakti that I adore? Union is the truth and Bhakti is the way. All resistance that stops us from loving others is an illusion in the mind that leads all souls astray. Bhakti is the path of faith, love, and devotional service. Engage your senses in satisfying the Divine Master. This is how you will make it back to the surface, said Krishna. Yes, Shakti is my goddess. She is the light that lives within all creatures. And within your wisdom, I recognize both of you as my greatest teachers. Know this wisdom is union since it is her and I together as one. We are not separate from one another, but rather all separate entities are connected through the spirit soul of the great father and mother. You will serve the mother and father in union, since it is us who make you whole. Just like Srila Prabhupada risked his own life, you too must give up who you think you are in service of our one united spirit soul, said Krishna. I pondered this thought, and I reflected upon the mother's words. She warned me of the school of the Pingala, where women were lesser than men, which I had once heard. But this great being named Krishna spoke of union. He was a father who supported love above all. And so I embraced his words, because I knew his truth was part of the great mother's call. And so Krishna spoke. I will tell thee a supreme mystery, because thy soul has faith. It is vision and wisdom, and when known, Thou shalt be freed from sin and hate. He whose undertakings are free from anxious desire and beyond material pleasure, whose work is made pure in the fire of wisdom, he is called wise and is a jewel of my treasure. And what is this fire of wisdom? When wisdom is thine, Levi, nevermore shalt thou be in confusion, for thou shalt see all creatures in thy heart, and thou shalt see thy heart in me to transcend the world's separate illusion. And even if thou were the greatest of sinners, with the help of wisdom thou shalt cross the sea of evil. As the heat of fire reduces wood to ashes, the fire of wisdom burns all karma to ashes in upheaval. Nothing in this world purifies like that of spiritual wisdom. It is the perfection achieved through the path of devotion, and this path leads to the inner self's perfection. He or she who has faith has wisdom. This is the one who lives in self-harmony, whose faith is in his and her life. He or she who finds wisdom soon finds supreme peace, freed from confusion and strife. Take up the spiritual sword of wisdom, O Levi. Cut away the doubts of ignorance that lies in thy heart. Be one in self-harmony, in union, and arise, great warrior, arise. Take up the path of devotion, for this is where your journey starts said Krishna. And how do I find this wisdom? You may start with your intellect, but do not get seduced into knowing more things. The goal is not a collection of complete knowledge, but rather to seek out truth and see what wisdom it brings. Intellect takes you to the edge, 
and wisdom is what's beyond. Notice how the lower mind is connected with sense desires and thoughts. The mind is collecting and constructing, which builds up your ego that seeks to respond. The sword you carry was made to cut the ego away to the power of wisdom and understanding. The true power of the swords overcomes evil and wickedness that is ever expanding. Then there is the Bodhi, which is the higher intellect, also called the third eye. This is the morning star that shines bright within your head, and this endless glory cannot cease or die. Foster this light with your journey into the world, or else you make it absorbed into the lower mind. Aim your senses inward toward the inner light. Keep your eye upon our source so that heaven and earth may align. Devotion is the power of love, and this represents all that is right. The Bodhi seed is the beginning of all wisdom and the recognition of our inner light, said Krishna. Then a man and woman's body is the facade of a temple, wherein all wisdom and good abide. What we commonly call man, the eating, drinking, counting, planting man, does not represent his or her true self, but rather the body is the place where the truest soul resides. Yes, said Krishna, even with the Bible it is written in Luke, and being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God cometh, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, not through your senses, neither shall they say, Lo, here or there, for lo, the kingdom of God is within you. Then there is much more in us than meets the eye of our fellow man. I have heard an ancient phrase that says, The brilliant gem is within our hands, and the nature of our soul is without form, without limit, beyond space, beyond time. I am in everything, and everything is in me. I am the bliss of the universe, and everywhere I am is how everything aligns. I am Sat-Chit-Ananda which means I am absolute existence, absolute knowledge, and absolute bliss. Tatwamasi, Krishna paused. I am that, and that is free. I knew he was teaching me from inside. He's telling us who we are. Now part of me could say, well, he's just a nut. He's on a messiah trip, and he really thinks he's somebody. But what if this great being is the only one who bothered to go inside far enough? And that is the truth. After all, I'm just a monad, a single spark of light, and that light is part of his whole. Sitting with Krishna, I began to go inward, and so I came back to this light, and here I saw that this one drop is part of the ocean of the all. Looking up, I saw how it merged into what's called Brahma, or Kether, or the Allah. Above Krishna was Vishnu, which was the same totality that Krishna embodied. This tree of life was all connected, perfectly intertwined in union. And how lucky was I to see myself in this source. And where are you leading me? I guide you on the path from the intellect, from knowing you know something, to the intuitive sense of connectedness with all that light brings. This is where we start from, so we get to the wisdom, where it affects your inner being. This is not just a change in your shirt or your dress as the problem is that the desire to know often gets in the way of your development of intuition," said Krishna. Well, come on. I'm gonna get it. I want the wisdom. Come on now. Give me that wisdom. I have all the credentials. I've earned the right to have that wisdom. He waited and it infuriated me. Oh, but still, 
Somehow it was so beautiful and sincere. All my anger came at the moment I felt an ounce of being lost in my own selfish fears. The minds of so-called learned scholars are attached to things of the world. Hence it is why they cannot acquire true knowledge. What good could the reading of a vast number of sacred works do for them? For they seem to be only interested in what the ego will acknowledge," said Krishna. I could ponder this for hours and still not know. O oh, beloved Krishna, what exactly is it that your words are trying to show? All that the imagination can envision, combined with all the reason that can conceive and understand this life, is not and cannot be an approximate means of union with God," said Krishna. I began to see how he was right, and what we're faced with is collecting intellectual knowledge about what this whole game of wisdom is all about. Because as we develop, we use our old-style intellect and we say, I know that, and I know this, and I've read that, and I've studied this, and that leads to that, and I'll tell you about this. We use all that intellect to get ready to do the next thing, and I think Krishna prepared me to get rid of all of that. He showed me that I needed a crutch to get going, and now it was time to throw that crutch away. Somehow it's disposable knowledge, and it'll always be there. So there's no need to worry, because you can't get rid of it anyway. Only two kinds of people can attain self-knowledge. Those whose minds are not encumbered at all with learning, that is to say, not overcrowded with thoughts borrowed from others, and those who after studying all the scriptures and sciences have come to realize that they know nothing," said Krishna. Why that's it? I could see that it was really working, because I knew that I know nothing. I came to learn and learn and learn until I realized I didn't know anything. And that's the route through. I had to use these models to get going, to find this way, but I didn't need to cling to the models. I have to let go of the intellectual structure. For there is suffering, but none who suffers. Doing exists, although there is no doer. Extinction is, but no extinguished person. Although there is a path traveled, there is no goer. Krishna paused. So what we are talking about in this method of wisdom is extricating oneself from the attachment to the illusion of the permanent somebody doing something in the world. The intellect will push you to keep mind models about where you're going, but ultimately, the models themselves have to go. Because a God defined is a God confined. Now if you follow these mind methods through, a number of things happen. One is, you begin to sense a deeper way of knowing things, and you start to come into what we have been calling our intuition, or an intuitive relation to the universe. And this is very hard for somebody that is used to knowing what they know is objective knowledge, and it's hard to deal with what this intuitive side is realizing. When you align your life with your intuition, it's as if a thing happens to you. Once there's this intuitive breakthrough, once you have started to experience another way of relating to the universe, then a seed has been planted and the awakening has begun. This flip has occurred, and the model of how you would relate with who you think you are breaks. And once this thing breaks through, you are never the same again," said Krishna. Of course an awakening has begun, but why do you tell me this now? Oh Levi, he or she who has reached the state of being is verily distinguished by another characteristic, as a high mountain cannot be washed away by a flood, which is a mirage, 
so he and she who is not affected by wound or woe. Is it any wonder that one who does not wish to go to the bliss of the self in order to return to domination of the senses and takes no pleasures any longer in the objects of sense? Enjoy to the full bliss of the self. Once his or her heart is established in it, he and she will never leave it. Will the Chikora bird lick the sand when it's among the bed of lotus flowers and it has once been fed on the clear beams of the moon? Now thy curiosity will certainly prompt thee to think who that are deluded. They indeed who do not know themselves. They indulge in the pleasures of sense as hungry man will eat husks, or as a deer afflicted with thirst, and in its distraction, forgetting to look for water, will rush into the mirage of the desert. Once you've been in this place, will the shade of clouds afford protection against the wind, rain, and heat? Will you have a beautiful house to live in? Would a serpent's hood be enough for a mouse? asked Krishna. Master, slow down. What does all this mean? Once the awakening has started, you see sense objects in an entirely different way. Since you are here with me, you have tasted truth, but once you get back upon the earth, this truth may evade you. As you are sent back to earth, you may slip into the illusion of their reality, where like so many others, they seek to be masters of controlling the environment. People think the game is man over nature. But have you found that the moment turns out to be residing right where you are when you stop clinging so bad, and it turns out you are that moment? The link you seek to foster between heaven and earth is the shift of awakening, and as the Tao Te Ching states, they call it elusive, and say that one looks, but it never appears. They say that indeed it is rare, since one listens, but never a sound. Subtle, they call it, and say that one grasps it, but never gets hold. These three complaints amount to only one, which is beyond all resolution. At rising, it does not illumine. At setting, no darkness ensues. It stretches far back to that nameless estate, which existed before the creation. Describe it as form, yet unformed, a shape that is still without shape. Where say it is vagueness confused, one meets it, and it has no front. One follows it, and there is no rear. If you hold fast to that most ancient way, you may govern today. Call truly that knowledge of primal beginnings a clue to the way, said Krishna. And after he said this, Krishna reached into my chest and touched the ankh in my heart. His form changed, and he assumed the posture of a great white bird. Why, yes, I have seen this great white crane. But who is this exactly? Then the bird took flight when I heard it speak without words. Once my name was Monk, but the world knows me as Radhna Swami, he said.